What do we do when we're down, disheartened, and discouraged? We'll seek Jesus, of course. Welcome to Rise and Shine, the weekly podcast where we take bite-sized portions of the scriptures and examine what God is saying, make some relevant and practical applications, and if we do it right, we will become better people. Today, I want to talk about Seeking Jesus. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 10 through 16. We're going to deal with some folks who are feeling down. They're disheartened and they're discouraged. This whole book of Hebrews is about the superiority of Jesus. This is the argument that he's making. When he's talking to folks who are wavering in their faith, Some of them have already forsaken Jesus. They have forsaken the assemblies of Christians. And they've gone back to Judaism. They've gone back to the world. And some of them who had remained were wavering in their faith. They were feeling very down, very disheartened and discouraged. And it wasn't going to be long before they left the faith as well. And so this whole book is about pointing these folks who are wavering in their faith to Jesus, keeping your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Let's seek Jesus. And so this whole book is about the superiority of Jesus. He is superior to the angels, to Moses, to Joshua, to the Levitical priesthood, to the sacrifices of the Old Testament. He is superior to to Melchizedek. Jesus is superior to it all. You cannot leave Jesus now. If you leave Jesus now, that that is when you walk away from eternal life and your soul's salvation. Now is not the time to run. And as he finishes this book in Hebrews 13, he really puts an exclamation mark on it. I want us to notice three or four things from verses 10 through 16. The first thing I want us to notice as he's trying to encourage them, trying to encourage those who are discouraged, trying to hearten those who are disheartened, trying to lift up those who are down. He says, first of all, we have an altar. Notice that with me. Verses 10 through 12. He writes, we have an altar from which... Those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals, whose blood was brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the camp. Notice we have an altar. That altar is not just the cross, but Jesus Himself. Jesus is superior. The superior altar. And those who have rejected Him, He very explicitly says, you have no right to eat. This altar, this sacrifice, the idea of an altar, sacrifice, priests, and so on, is very prominent, if not central, to the religion, the Jewish religion, to the pagans of the day. 
And then here comes Christianity, new on the world stage. And it has no emphasis on buildings, no emphasis on a temple or an altar or a priesthood with special clothes and sacrifice. And so it was no doubt very strange to the Jewish and pagan people. And so the writer here is being very emphatic. You kind of lose it in the English. In the English, it's kind of blah. We have an altar. See? But in the original, it's very emphatic. It's very almost militant. We have something that the rest of the world does not have. We have an altar. We have Jesus. And those who have rejected Him, and they in, the, in this context have gone back to the tabernacle, and they still serve in the tabernacle, they have no right to this. They've rejected Jesus, so they have no right to Jesus. And so we have this altar. And so this is the place where we can go and know that our prayers are heard. This is the place where we can go and offer our praise through Jesus Christ. We can worship properly in spirit and in truth. We here can offer a song and send it to the Lord, Colossians 3.16, Ephesians 5.19. This is the place where I can go and place my faith, build my faith, know that I am loved, and, and build my love for God. This is the place where I can go and find hope in a hopeless world, hope for everlasting and eternal life. It's all here in Jesus. That's why he's saying we have something that the rest of the world does not have. If you turn your back on Jesus, you are turning your back on the place of prayer and intercession. If you turn your back on Jesus and forsake the assembling of, your, of yourselves together, then you are forsaking true and proper worship in spirit and in truth. And if you forsake Jesus now, then you forsake the faith. The faith once delivered. You are forsaking the love of God. You are forsaking the hope of eternal life. Now is not the time to turn. We have something that the rest of the world doesn't have. And it is time in our world to be emphatic about this. We don't have to be harsh and abrasive and ugly, but we can be emphatic that we who have chosen to be followers of Jesus have something that the rest of the world does not have. Jesus Christ. And therefore we have faith, we have hope, we have love, and hope for eternal life. And so that is very encouraging to those who are discouraged. Secondly, because we're in Christ, because we have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus, verse 12, because He suffered for our sins, verse 12. He bore our sins upon His body outside the camp. He shed His blood for the remission of our sins. All of that's in verse 12. Because of that, and we're in Him, and we have this altar, and we have this hope that nobody else has, here's what we do, verse 13 and 14. We continue to seek Him. Verse 13, Therefore, let us go forth to Him outside the camp, bearing His reproach. Let us 
Let us who are in Christ Jesus, let us who are covered in the blood of Jesus, let us who have answered the call when Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, then let us who have answered and heeded the call of the gospel and, and heard and heeded heaven's invitation, let us come unto him. We come to Christ and we continue to seek him. We seek first His kingdom. We seek first His righteousness. Matthew 6 and verse 33. It is primary and prominent in our lives. We continue to follow Him who is the way, Him who is the truth, and Him who is the life. We continue to follow Him and feed upon Him who is the bread of life. We continue to walk with Him who is the light of the world. We continue to follow Him who gives us the hope because He is the resurrection and He is the life. We continue to follow Him who is the great shepherd of the sheep. So we continue to come to Him. Why? Because verse 14, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Here we know and understand that everything is temporal. My life and my health, my property, my wealth, my assets, everything that is physical is temporal. But Jesus Christ is eternal and everlasting. And here we know and understand that we don't have a continuing city, but... We seek the one to come. We seek it. Notice with me, if you have a Bible, just turn back a page and look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13. After he talks about the faith of the patriarchs, he notice, we, we notice this and what he says about them. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off were assured of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They were assured. They were convicted that these promises were true. And so they confessed, we're strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Everything here is temporal. Life, health, wealth, assets, whatever it is, it's temporal. But Jesus Christ, the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth, that's eternal. That's everlasting. And we're assured of it. And so we confess. Let us who have heard the gospel call, let us confess that we're strangers and pilgrims. Let's believe the song that we sing. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And so for those who are wavering in their faith, let us understand and embrace the idea that we have this altar that is Jesus Christ, and in Him, as we're covered in His blood, we continue to walk with Him. We continue to seek Him. We can come to understand that what we have on this life and in, on this earth is truly temporal. And we are convicted that there is a better existence to come. And so we, with great expectation, look for it because it's real to us. There's a new heaven 
and a new earth. And to obtain it, we must follow Him who is the way, Him who is the truth, Him who is the life. We need to continue to seek Him that will give us what is everlasting and eternal when we pass from what is temporal. Third thing I want us to notice in verse 15, what do we do while we're passing through this earth? We know this earth is not our home. We're just a passing through. But what do we do while we're here? What do we do with this life on the earth and in the flesh? We seek Jesus, number one. Number two, we continue to offer praise, verse 15. Therefore, by Him, let us continually offer sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. And so let us, you see there? Therefore, by Him, let us who have heard the gospel call, let us who have access to the altar to give prayer and praise and worship and song and service, let us continually offer praise to God. But praise Him for what? Praise Him for the cross that took my sins. Praise Him for the cross which was an expression of mercy and forgiveness. Praise Him for the empty tomb and the expression of hope as Jesus rose from the grave and gave us victory over death. Praise Him for the ascension where He currently reigns at the right hand of God over heaven and earth to give me meaning and purpose. I now have meaning and purpose. I echo what the Apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. What is he saying in that phrase? For me to live, the reason I get out of bed, the reason I live my life is Christ, who is my life. He's given me meaning. He's given me purpose. He's given me direction in this life. And when I die, that's not loss, folks. That's gain. So let us continually praise God for what He has given to us through Christ. Let us, as the verse goes on, continue to offer thanks. The fruit of our lips, it says, giving thanks to His name. It's the offering of the fruit of thanksgiving. Thankfulness is the fruit that blooms from a heart that is filled with gratitude. There's a couple of sections in Scripture that talk about, I think it's Romans 1 and 2 Timothy chapter 3. There's a whole list of egregious sins. And among those sins listed in there is unthankful. An unthankful heart that doesn't know how to say or express thanksgiving. And what is the Hebrews writer telling these folks who are wavering in, this, in their faith? Let's continue to offer praise to God for what He's given us. Let's continue to offer this thanks. You see, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Matthew 12, 34. And so he says, the fruit of our lips here should be thanksgiving because it's attached to our hearts that are filled with gratitude. And so we need to be thankful for the fact that we have the hope of everlasting life 
because of Jesus. So let us continue to seek Jesus. Let us continue to praise Him. Let us continue to praise His name and offer thanksgiving to Him. When we do that, then our mind is focused on what is good and what is healthy and right in our walk with Jesus. But let's not just simply be pious and be filled with prayer and worship. Those things are needed. Those things are imperative to our Christian faith. But he said, let's not forget this. When we leave those assemblies of worship, let's go live it. Verse 16. But do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So, because we have this altar who is Jesus, we continue to seek Him. We continue to worship and praise and offer up thanksgiving, but we also continue to do good and share. It's when we really emulate the life of Christ to the folks around us. Let's think about this for just a minute. Don't forget to do good. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, we are explicitly told that Jesus was anointed and went about doing good. If we're going to be like Christ, this is what we must do. When we leave our Christian assemblies and we're on Sunday and we've finished our worshiping God, let's go live it on Monday and Tuesday and so on. Let's not forget to go about doing good. And secondly, the King James says communicate. The idea of it is sharing. Don't forget to share time. Don't forget to share your time. Don't forget to share in efforts for the cause of Christ and resources with which God has blessed us. Let's not forget to do good. Let's not forget to share. Let's not forget to really emulate the life of Christ to the people around us, that we are indeed one of His. I've been reading some things about Booker T. Washington, and he has this book. Uh, it's called Up From Slavery on page 66. It's a rather long quote about his time at Hampton, but I found this interesting. I'm not going to say the whole quote. It's a rather large uh, section of the, of the book. You can find it on page 66. But at the very end of it, when he, he said this, The education I received at Hampton out of textbooks was but a small part of what I learned. And he explained what that meant, and he ended it this way. I think I began learning that those who are happiest in this life are those who do the most for others. When you have a heart filled with gratitude and you know who God is and you have this communion and fellowship with Him, you begin to show it to the people around you. You begin to serve and love the people around you. You don't forget to do good or to share. I want to give you five reasons why we as Christians ought not to forget to continue to do good and to share. Number one, because it renders faithful obedience to God. Matthew 6, 1-4. to 
because it is being like Jesus. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Because it promotes selflessness in a world that's filled with selfishness. And it shows a stark contrast between those who belong to Jesus and follow Him and those who follow the world. Number four, it promotes overall happiness in our lives because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. If you've ever had the good pleasure of helping someone who's in need, it leaves you with a good feeling. And so it promotes overall happiness in our lives. And then finally, number five is found at the very end of verse 16, where it says, But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. That's why. Because God is well pleased with these kinds of sacrifices of your time, the sacrifices of the efforts for the cause of Christ, these efforts and sacrifices from the resources with which God has blessed you, and you do good, and you communicate, and you share. And so we continue to let the light of Christ shine through us or reflect off of us in our words and in our deeds. So, as we bring this episode to a close, we answer the question, what do we do when we're down, disheartened, and discouraged in our faith? Well, we place our eyes on Jesus and seek Him. We understand and become very emphatic in understanding that we are outsiders because we have something the rest of the world doesn't have. We have an altar, and that altar is Jesus Christ, the place where we can go and pray and praise and worship and serve Him. We continue to offer praise. We continue to offer thanksgiving from a heart filled with gratitude, and we continue to show that to the world. We continue to do good, and we continue to share so that we're more like Christ. And I would say that the world needs that now more than ever. And so that's it for now. Please remember, uh, subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Until next time, my friends. Until next time.